This podcast is brought to you by Sales Fuel Hire, a platform to help companies hire smarter and flag 13 toxic employee types. Measure job fit, sales tendencies and motivators, decision-making abilities and empathy levels, and make your next hire your best hire. Try it now on salesfuel.com slash hire and use promo code MANAGESMARTER for $50 off your first purchase. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop and retain talent, improve results and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. You know, Lee, our guest today says that anything that is substantial, you know, really important and that's worth doing is hard. I would agree with that. Yeah. You you said you had an agreement with that and another phrase to go with it. I I say if it was easy, everyone would have done it already. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think, Mitch Schneider? Are we on the right track here? Uh, I think so. I think I think the bottom line is that if it was easy, little old ladies and kids would be doing it and you and I wouldn't have to worry about it. <laughs> well, welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast, everyone. And Mitch Schneider is our guest today. I am Audrey Strong. I'm the Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. And I'm C. Lee Smith. I'm the President and CEO of SalesFuel. And so Mitch Schneider, let me tell you about him. He's a small business owner, trade journalist. What a life this guy has had. And the author of a new book called Misfire, What to Do When Things Aren't Running on All Cylinders. I think we've all had moments like that. Also an educator and industry leader. And this book, um, Mitch, is, you describe it as the who moved my cheese meets the karate kid. <laughs> you want to tell us a little bit more what you mean by that? Wax on, wax off. <laughs> wax on. Well, you know, to a large degree, all, all the great lessons I've learned in my life have been through failure, and, um, and many of them have been learned in a martial arts studio. And, and the first lesson you learn in the martial arts studio is that the ground is hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because you, you get knocked on your butt a lot, and, uh, and you've got to be able to get up, and you've got to be able to learn from, from whatever mistakes you made in, in the course of getting knocked down. So it happens as infrequently as possible, especially as you get older and older. So uh, there's, there's got to be a certain amount of wisdom that, that, uh, that comes from all of that if you're lucky. And I, and I was very lucky and had great teachers and wonderful mentors in the course of my life. So um, I, think that, I think that's it. I, there are a lot of, of, of lessons in Eastern philosophy that I think translate very well and transfer very well. Into, into modern business. Uh, one thing that I noticed early on in my career is that it doesn't matter whether it's a large business or a small business, the number of tasks doesn't change. The difference is that in a small business, fewer people get to distribute those tasks. So uh, it's important to be able to stay centered and to have control over yourself because in many cases, you don't have a lot of control over the environment. I think listening to you talk about that makes me think of, you know, the hard ground or consequences, you know, so if you get, like if you do something wrong, whatever, you might get kicked in the head and the dojo, but, you know, if you don't have those types of consequences, you know, in real life, if you let people, you know, screw up basically, and there are no consequences for it or whatever, they never learn, they never get kicked in the head, they never fall to the ground. And so they, they, they're more prone to keep making the same mistakes over and over again. Well, I think I think that's very true. I, I think it, and it's not representative of the real world, is it? I mean, you know, yeah. uh, the real the, the real world is is kind of unkind and unforgiving in many cases when it comes to performance, and uh, I think that's important for all of us to remember. It, those are lessons 
that I learned the hard way. A very dear friend of mine tells a great story. It's called, and the basic thrust of the story is accountability. But when he was a, a regional sales manager for an automotive aftermarket parts company, they were in Pittsburgh in the winter. And his son, who was about five or six years old at the time, came in and he was crying and, you know, covered in slush and snow and, you know, tears were cutting rivulets in the dirt on his face. <laughs> and and Ray turned around and looked at him and said, Chris, what happened? And he says, Billy Johnson punched me in the face and, and threw me down the hill. And Ray's wife, Shirley, who's a very wise woman, turned around and, and said, Christopher, start the sentence with I. And he said, Billy, Billy Johnson put, punched me in the face and pushed me down the hill. And she got up and walked over and took his little chin in her, in her fingers and said, said, Christopher, start the sentence with I. He says, I, 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 I kicked Billy, Billy Johnson in the stomach and then he punched me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. so, you know, I think it's important if you're going to be successful in life in general to start the sentence with I, to recognize that, that, the one constant in your life is going to be you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so you better take care of that. And that and sort of points to what you talk about in terms of motivation. Not everybody's motivated by the same thing. Teams and leaders and similar little Billy. <laughs> I punched him in the stomach <laughs> was the motivator uh, for that chain of events. Can you expand on that? I, I, I think you, George Carlin, you know, tells a funny story about the fact that the guy goes in a bookstore and he's looking at books on motivation. He turns around, and he says, you're in a bookstore. You're looking at books on motivation. You're already motivated. What do you need a book for? So, I mean, I, I, I think that my dad may rest in peace and I were partners for 38 years in business. And, and he used to say all the time when I was starting out as a mechanic, you got to want to fix the car. Mm -hmm. You got to want to, that's the motivation. The motivation is the need, the, the desire um, to succeed, to, to accomplish whatever task and, you're and, confronted with. And that looks different uh, based on the person. It, it looks different based on the person. It looks ba different based on the situation. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons it's so important to be able to find your center and to be able to go ahead and quiet the world around you. And, and, and to me, that, that means a lot of Eastern um, philosophies, Meditation, especially, I, I, I'm very fortunate in that meditation for me. I, I'm not one of those people who does well with seated meditation. But in Tai Chi, for instance, there's moving meditation, and that's really good to stay centered. And breathing, something as simple as just breathing. Mm -hmm. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some analogies here. I'm going to run with it. So your, your title of your book, you're talking about when things aren't running on all cylinders. You're like my late father who just passed away this past year, uh, Corvette owner. No, his, is, me too. His, his is red and uh, uh, C5, actually. And then uh, you, know, you talk about misfires. So when there's, when, when there's a misfire of, of your Corvette, typically it means it's out of tune. So uh, how do you, when someone has a misfire, you know, how would you recommend helping you know, give people a tune-up? Well, it, it's really interesting. Uh, in, in, in the course of my trade journal writing, it, I, it occurred to me at one point that the the four-stroke internal combustion engine is a perfect analogy for business um, in many cases. Intake, compression, power, exhaust, right? In, intake is all the advertising and marketing you do mm -hmm. to get people to come to your door. Um, compression is what you do with them once they're there. It's, it's trying to find out what their needs, wants, expectations are, and trying to address those needs. Power is actually getting the work done. 
is, is addressing those wants, needs, and expectations successfully. And then exhaust is follow-up, you know, getting the car out and doing the, the warm fuzzies, ECRM and CRM stuff that creates a relationship and bonds that relationship between you and the client. So I, I think that has an awful lot to do with it. What about those of us who drive Teslas? <laughs> just that's, be that's sure a, you check be sure and check the app and make sure you know where you get the next that, charge always make sure that you recharge yourself that's right that's what it means yes now some of these other concepts that are you know east meeting west you talk about I, you said situational awareness uh, awareness problem solving reinvention and mindfulness do you want to expand on those which of those is the well, most important or are they all equal? Reinvention's my favorite, I'm just saying. Yep. Uh, I'll get to reinvention in a second, but situational awareness is really important. Uh, mm -hmm. You've got to understand the terrain that you're in. You've got to understand your environment and you've got to understand, I think, I believe with a perfect faith that you've got to understand the fact that you have to be in control of that environment as much as you're able. And, uh, uh, I think those things are, are really important. It's important on the street to be aware of your surroundings. They've done studies on this for years, and they, they say that people that appear to be aware of their surroundings are looking around, are not looking at their cell phone, um, are walking erect, are much less likely to be taken advantage of. I think the same thing happens in business, only in, with a different set of parameters there. Reinvention is, is critical because the world around us is changing every day, and if you're not capable of changing with it. If you're not, first of all, if you're not aware of the changes, then you're going to be buried. Mm -hmm. um, but if you are aware of the changes, you have to recognize that what got you to where you are right now is not going to take you into the future. It's not even going to keep you safe in the present. And that the world is dynamic. You know, if, if you're climbing the ladder of success and you decide you're going to take a, take a break and, and hold on a second, standing still on that ladder of success is just a matter of how far behind you're getting because the world is moving at, at breakneck speed away from you. It's like a game of Frogger. Remember that video game? Boy, yeah. You step out <laughs> on the highway and you, you stay put, you're going to get smushed. Yeah, no, I, I think that, that Misfire was my attempt to, to uh, when, when I finished the book, it was going to be a legacy book because I really, I know this sounds overly dramatic, but when I finished the book in the course of, of writing it, after I was diagnosed in 2000. 14 with bone marrow cancer, I thought it was going to be a legacy piece. I thought that was going to be a work that yeah. would, you know, go beyond me. Makes more um, sense to me. Yeah. Fortunately, I tricked him. <laughs> 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 and, and I'm still here, a stem cell bone marrow transplant and uh, someone else's stem cells and now DNA has, has given me a second chance, a new, a new lease on yes. life as it were. So speaking of reinvention, then it's like so. All of a sudden, now you like Middle Eastern food. What's up with that? I, you know, it's bizarre. It's just really bizarre. I never liked spicy food. I've got all kinds of spices in the refrigerator now. Um, we went out for Middle East. I had a, a a Zen for Middle Eastern food the other night. We had to go out so that I could have uh, uh, shawarma and falafel. And <laughs> yeah, because your donor was from which country? He's Israeli. Yeah. I, I, um, I've got the, uh, the DNA of an 18-year-old Israeli coursing through my veins. Wow. Wow. Well, you have way too much wisdom to share with the world. You weren't ready to yep. check out. You're going to have to stick around for the sequel to your book. <laughs> <laughs> Start writing now. So yeah. um, the, the experience of a, a very serious illness like that, um, not a lot of people go 
through that. And we're so glad that you've, you're having a good outcome. What are some of the lessons you want to share with our listeners from um, that unique experience? I, I, think, I think that none of us realize or recognize the importance uh, of the mind-body connection and, and addressing that, uh, being able to quiet your mind, being able to center yourself, being able to eliminate the, the monkey chatter that, that's always trying to fill your brain and, and undermine you um, is critically important. A positive attitude uh, is critical. And, and one of the things that you learn very early is, you know, we're inundated in the news constantly with how bad things are. It doesn't matter whether you want to talk about economy, politics, whatever. Realization for me was that there were people that I didn't know that heard of my illness and showed up at the City of Hope in Duarte, California to donate blood and platelets. So people are genuinely good, and many of them are just searching for an opportunity to demonstrate that goodness. Mm. And I think that's an incredible lesson in and of itself. And, and it's reassuring to know that there are good people out there. I think there are very few things in life that are not two-edged swords. So you can always look at things as, okay, oh, that's really terrible news, but it's like it might be very positive news for somebody else, or it might be very positive if you, just, if you take a different perspective on it and look at it from, from a different angle, and, and all of a sudden you realize, oh, there's, there's some positive things there. Anything that's positive can be, neg be made negative, and I think just about anything that's negative can be made positive. Some things, you know obviously, you know, that don't apply to that, but most things I think do. I, I think, you know, it was interesting. I, I was told by one of my first editors that, that uh, when I was bemoaning the fact that, that uh, things were as bad as they were, especially the, on the news about, you know, automotive ripoffs and whatever. And he says, you know, Mitch, he says, you know what makes the news? What makes the news is the extraordinary, the bizarre, the strange, mm -hmm. the unusual. He says, if all shop owners or the majority of shop owners weren't good, that's what would make the news. Mm -hmm. But the fact that the bad ones are making the news means that it's an aberration. And I think that's a good lesson also. I think it's important for all of us to realize that things just ain't as bad as people would like us to believe they are. Do you think try to find the positive. Do you, think yeah. cancer, do you think your cancer gave you greater clarity? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No question about that. Uh, when I got, when I walked, okay, well, here we go. When I walked out of the doctor's office, um, I was struck with blinding clarity. and um, and a moment of absolute freedom, recognizing that I didn't have to tolerate fools anymore. Um, that that um, I, I knew instantly what was important. And what was important are relationships. What, what's important are family. Um, yeah, it, it, it was... It sounds absurd to say that going through a stem cell bone marrow transplant, almost dying, uh, being taken, purposely taken to the brink of death, and then coming back is a good thing. But it was probably the most important, best thing that's ever happened to me. Mm. So going forward, for our listeners, do you have any way that they can reach to find a different lens for themselves? I mean, certainly not almost dying is recommended. Um, but uh, do you have a prescriptive for us? I I, I I think that you have to just you have to you have to clear your mind and you have to really focus on what's important in your life and what's important in your life are those relationships and I think that if you slow down 
and you breathe and you don't work at such a frenetic, crazy pace, you're liable to find out what's really critically important. And by applying yourself to those things, you're liable to be a lot more productive than you would be any other way. I know that's what happened to me. You say that um, a very simple concept that I love that we should all be reminded of that ties into what you just said is that most leaders and managers, which is who our audience is, um, they have the vision. They just forget to tell everybody else what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> like, that was my biggest, that was my biggest problem in business. Mm. That was, it was, I, I, that's a, that is, I think that's every entrepreneur has that problem because they keep it a secret and then they get, they get frustrated and angry when nobody else is paying attention to where they want to go. And uh, when I realized that and I started sharing that in, in daily meetings, making sure I kept reinforcing it and uh, making sure that everybody on my team knew where we were going and why. The critical thing is why. Why are we going there? Mm-hmm. And how it benefits them. They already have an idea how it's going to benefit you. But the important thing is so everybody in, uh, on your team understands how they're going to go ahead and benefit from the you know, from accomplishment of these goals and objectives. Mitch, I have one theory on that. I think it's because we think that it's obvious. Well, you know what? It's, it ain't obvious. <laughs> it's obvious to us, right? But it's like we think it's obvious to everybody else sometimes. and We, we just kind of forget that it's not so obvious. Well, I, I, it's easy. And, and when you're an entrepreneur and you're locked in your office and you're thinking about, you know, making payroll. I mean, I divide the world up into two groups of people, people that have to make payroll and people who don't. Um, those of us who've had to make payroll understand the world differently. And when you're a being attacked in that office, it's hard to think about these greater concepts that that are so critically important to find success. But when you start thinking outside the office and you start realizing that all these people that you've surrounded yourself with um, are going to be a lot more motivated, going back to the beginning of of our visit, um, they have to be they have to be aware of what the reason for the motivation is, how that's going to benefit them, how it's going to benefit their families, how it's going to make their lives better in some way. Well, the book is called Misfire, misfirebook.com. Well, that's easy to remember. And uh, let's see, your Twitter is Mitchell uh, JS823 and your Mitch Schneider on Facebook um, as well. What a pleasure uh, meeting you today, Mitch. What, what a compelling story. We're so glad that you're sticking around to share your wisdom with the world. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. I really enjoyed it. It's always better. It's always, it's always great when you get to talk to two people that turn out to be old friends or new friends. Mm-hmm. And make sure you, you, you check back with us and when you write that second book. Oh, I will. I will. I've already, you know, it's funny. I've already been asked to write a prequel. Mm-hmm. So, I got, it'll be three books. It'll be a prequel and a sequel. How's that? What what happens before Misfire? That'll be interesting. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, thanks for the lively conversation. And everybody, listen, uh, if you like this conversation with Mitch, please tell a friend about our podcast. Spread the word. Mitch, you do it too with all your friends and family. Mm -hmm. Tell a friend, tell a colleague, send it to your uh, great aunt's uh, cousin twice removed, please. And (laughs) (laughs) have him or her subscribe, rate, and review our show. And you can see all the um, back episodes at managesmarter.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.